0: Good morning. good morning. I'm excited to be here. How about you? Good all right, all right, good, good deal. Ever have one of those moments that kind of puts your whole life in perspective? I had one of those recently. This week I went back to the college that I graduated from and I was hanging out on campus, we were doing this church fair, and I was hanging out with James back there and Emily and a couple others, and I was like, man, it's so good to be back on college campus, man. It feels like just yesterday I was, I was in college and hanging out and, and I, then I thought about it, and I realized dang, it's been 20 years since I was a freshman. Wow. 20 years! Two decades! So I was like, oh, my word. And I was talking to the college students, I was like, they didn't even have like, the internet back then. <laughs> like, they didn't have texting, all these things. Like My word. Like, I, I couldn't believe how long it had been since I had been a freshman in college. Uh, but that got me thinking about leaving the house, you know, when you graduate from high school. And so, what a big transition in life that is. So maybe you left, uh, when you graduated from high school, you left home, went to college. Maybe you started working a full-time job for the first time after graduating from high school. Maybe you got your first apartment. Whatever it was, whenever you kind of left childhood and graduated from high school, it, it was a big deal. You're single, you're on your own for the first time, paying bills, bouncing your checkbook. And that is a time that really stretches you And then, maybe some of us, we got married sometime later, right? Lord, does that stretch you, amen? Right? Like, you you know, you you think, uh, this is going to be too bad, and then you share a sink and toothpaste for the first time. How many of you married couples can share a tube of toothpaste? How many of you have to have your own tube because the way you squeeze it's differently? Yeah, us too, yeah. There's the squeezers and the rollers, you know what I mean? Like, when you get married, it stretches you. And then... You have that first kid, and you you never realize how selfish you were and how much you wanted your own time for yourself. Then you realize this tiny little helpless eating and pooping machine is like dictating your schedule, right? And then one day you wake up with four children in your house, and you realize you haven't slept through the night in almost ten years, and it stretches you. That it stretches you. But here's the thing: is that each and every one of those steps, when you move out of your parents' house, when you Get married when you have kids, when you start working your first full-time job. We get stretched, but then we get stronger. We used to what's asked of us. It becomes a new normal. Like, you moms, you get so much stronger with every kid that you have. It's amazing. Like, you're able to just handle more and more. Kids, you manage more than you ever thought possible. And wherever you are today, this morning, on your journey, I know you are being stretched right now. It's just kind of a universal truth. That's true of each and every one of our stories. But have you ever wondered, why do we get stretched? Why did God design this life so that we get stretched so often? That's the way that God designed life. That's the way things work. See, one of our core values at Mosaic reflects that, that growing people change. <coughs> growing people change. We never fully arrive. We never check off the list. I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. I have nothing left to learn. Right? Growing people are always changing. And growing people get stretched so that they can get stronger and go further and climb higher. Amen? For the last couple of weeks, we have been studying the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts in this series called Ghost Stories, not a not-so-speaking series about the Holy Spirit. And we've learned how the good news of Jesus, that God saw how helpless we were, and so we sent his Son, Christ, pay the price that we couldn't pay. He died on the cross and he rose again showing power over sin and suffering and death. And how the good news of that story spread from those 12 disciples to the ends of the earth. But in order for the gospel to spread the church had to be stretched. This morning i want not to invite you to take notes. Uh, you should have a note sheet inside your program. because We think that if you can hear it you can write it down, if you can see it, and then even discuss it maybe with a spouse or a friend, that'll help get those truths down deep into your soul. And so what we're going to see in the book of Acts is that in order for the gospel to spread, the church had to be stretched. See, God is all about expansion. See, it's not a church if we just do this just for us. That's just a club. you got to have an outstretched hand. For God's kingdom to spread, his people have to be stretched. Because the strength is in the stretch. That's how life works. You want to get stronger, or you want to get faster. You have to stretch yourself. You can't just keep doing the same workouts again and again. You have to stretch yourself. That's how you and I get stronger. The strength is in the stretch. And the Book of Acts records how the church got stronger and was stretched. At the same time, the people were stretched. I love it. Sometimes people are like, "Man, I wish I could live back when Jesus lived. It'd be so great to hang with so, I don't think you like that because he was stretching people all the time. There's a story. He's out preaching and he's preaching for a long time. People out, you know, they're on a the hillside. There's what five thousand of them, maybe even more. And, and he preaches so long, he, the, the Vikings game is starting. People aren't complaining. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And uh, and people are getting hungry there's no like tailgating going on. And so what does he do? He turns to his disciples, his closest friends, and he's like, "Hey guys, you give them something to eat." What? Jesus was always stretching people. He was always putting them in situations they weren't prepared for in order to stretch them. And that's what we're going to see happen in Acts chapter 3 now. We're going to meet Peter and John. Peter and John were business partners before they met Jesus, and now they're partners working for Jesus. Back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus promises followers that he would receive power. And Acts 1, says, they'll be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth this thing is going to spread to the ends of the earth. But in order for it to spread beyond Jerusalem, where it is right now, the followers of Jesus are going to have to be stretched. In order for the good news of Jesus to spread here in the Twin Cities, you and I are going to have to be stretched, amen? you're going to have to do some things that are going to take you out of your comfort zone. Peter and John, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But now, they're going to have to put into practice the power they received. Some of you have been praying, the Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. I, I want to go deeper. I want to go further into the things of God. But what you need to do is to put into practice the power that God has given you. To step into your calling, even if it's a little scary, even if you're not sure what exactly to do. Because the strength is in the struggle. So one day, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They're on their way to church, basically, to worship God. And they come across this guy who's been lame since birth. I wonder how many people on their way to the temple, on their way to worship, just stepped across this lame man. How many of you have got so caught up in just the business of God, they forgot about people? Perhaps the thing that you have been avoiding in your life, the key to unlocking your destiny and what God wants in your life. Let's pray and then we're gonna dive into Acts chapter 3. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Acts and for Dr. Luke, who wrote this all down for us, and the Yophilus, who generously gave so Dr. Luke could take time off and write this down for us. We have recorded of the early church. God, I pray that this morning that these would be your words, not mine. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. It would be pleasing acceptable in your sight, oh Lord. God, I pray that life change would happen. That we would be stretched so that we could be stronger and do what we've been called to do. Thank you, God, in your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, your Bible app, you turn to Acts chapter 3. Uh, otherwise, the scripture will be here on the side of Acts 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John, it's kind of like Batman and Robin in the Bible. We're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So there's this guy who's been lame from birth, and his friends are laying him down. He's asking for charity, because he can't walk, he can't work. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. Then he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. I hope that this morning you come expecting to receive something from God. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. Uh, King James might know, silver or gold have I not. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. An unstoppable partnership. The Holy Spirit empowers each and every one of us to have an unstoppable partnership. First one says that Peter and John were going up together. Peter and John, that key conjunction is that word and. Who is on the other side of your and? Who are you doing life with? Who are you partnering with? Who should you be doing life with that you aren't? We're getting ready to kick off this new season of small groups, like I mentioned earlier. Who are you doing life with? Who is on the other side of your hand? I invited a couple of guys I talked to last night who's gonna come help me with my message. So I'm gonna invite Marcus and David and Jimmy to come on up, and I need you right here. Give them a hand, guys. Come on up. <laughs> Jimmy sets up the coffee, if we need something done, and, and, and it's it, not in front of people, and, and it's not gonna get any glory, we ask Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy reminds me of John the Apostle. Yeah, give him both a hand. All right. Right. So, I love Peter and John. See, because Peter is really good at speaking his mind. John is steady in a quiet sort of way. Peter, he's the bold one. But John, when they're in the upper room before Jesus went to the cross, and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. All the other disciples are arguing. Not me, not me, not me. What does John do? Does John start to argue? No. John just leans back. against Jesus. I love that. That's John. And when the disciples receive word that Jesus had risen from the dead, Peter and John race to the tomb. And John is a little younger and a little faster. And I love that when John told his story and wrote it down, they're so competitive, John's like, I want everyone for all time to know, I beat Peter in a third race. Like,
1: <laughs> talk about competitive,
0: right? Like, this is the gospel truth, like literally, John got there first. But he stop, stopped outside the tomb. And Peter, when he gets there, he goes right in. So John needed Peter's boldness. Peter needed John's steadiness. Peter is bold, John is steady, but they need each other. That's the power of partnership. That's why Jesus sends his followers out two by two. It's the dynamic duo. It's, it's why we need each other. It's why I need Pastor Nate. If you're a comic book geek, you know the Batman needs Robin or else he takes too many chances. He's too violent. In the Beatles, Lennon needed McCartney. Joshua, or sorry, Joanna needs Tip Gaines to achieve her vision of Shabby Sheep, right? Kirk Cousins needs the Bondage, amen? <laughs> Kanye needs him. Peter and John, they need each other. A couple of you guys got that one. But yeah, so John won the foot race of the tomb, but Peter got there first. Some of you guys are more like Peter. You know, when all the other disciples scattered, Peter's the only one to pull out a sword to defend Jesus. When Jesus walked walking on the water, Peter is the only one to step out in faith. But that look before you leave mentality can get him in trouble. And So we need each other. Write this down, don't just surround yourself with people that you are comfortable being around, but surround yourself with people who can challenge you. We believe that we are a beautiful mosaic, that we come from different backgrounds, that we come from different stories, and that's a good thing. We don't want to all look or act the same. Stop trying to make people just like you. Learn from their differences. We need each other to be different. See, on the way to the temple, if Peter had been there, maybe John, would have had the boldness to stop and talk to the man who'd been born If John hadn't been there, maybe Peter would have been too busy to see the man lying there for help. He would get down to our man lying there before asking for help. Thank you, David. They needed each other. That's the power of partnership. Peter needed John, and John needed Peter. Not yet, not
1: yet.
0: <laughs> Here's what I learned in starting this church: that people don't have to share your perspective to share your purpose. We can have different perspectives on even how we do church and some of the ways we see things in the Bible, but we can have the same purpose of helping more and more people find freedom and hope and salvation through Jesus Christ and finding their calling to walk with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. You and I need each other. You and I need partners who are called the same purpose. There's power in partnership. But this man, David, had some partners too. It says that every day he had some friends who took this man to the gate outside the temple. He had some friends who helped him to make sure he got where he needed to go so he could beg and, and receive alms. This man had an ugly, ugly condition. He was boring and lame, but it says he was sitting outside of the gate called Beautiful. And the ugly condition was at a beautiful place. I think some of you feel that way even this morning. Sitting in a beautiful place with God's people, but you don't feel beautiful on the inside. You feel a little bit ugly. But at least this man was in the right place at the right time. And if this morning you feel ugly or broken, I want you to know you are in the right place. There is a reason you're here today. Every day this man is put here. That means he had to have some friends who would take him to a place where he could beg. But the reality is his friends could only take him so far. It's possible that you have some people in your life right now who have helped you out, who have been there for you, But maybe they've taken you as far as they can take you. Regardless of how much this man appreciated those partners in his life, he needed some new partners. Sometimes you have to get past the place of just getting help so that you can get healed. Amen? Maybe you've had some friends who've just been helping you, but the truth is maybe they've been enabling you a little bit. And now you need to get healed. Peter and John. Now, you can sit up and look at David. There you go. Perfect. So now, David expects to get some money, right? He's like, I got some lunch or something. But instead, what he gets is a miracle. Because sometimes God will use what you want to get what you really need. Maybe this morning you came and you're like, I just want to hear some good music or check something out of my list. But God's going to give you what you really need, which is maybe healing in your heart. Maybe it's understanding that you need to be stretched that you need to enter into partnering with someone else that so you can do what God's called you to do. But this man's life was about to be changed when he hooked up with the right partners. All right, back to Acts chapter three. Oh this. The Bible says that Jimmy, John, didn't even do anything. It says Peter reached out to help this man up. John was the silent partner. He's just there supporting Marcus. But thank God for the silent partners, amen? Thank God for the people that don't have to be upstage talking all the time or playing music. Thank God for those partners in our church who work tirelessly behind the scenes, like Jimmy, who makes coffee, who runs slides, because we couldn't exist as a church without them. Now, praise God for our musicians. Didn't they do did a great job today? Can you give them a hand? Thank you. And I did this on purpose this morning. I have this was kind of you. So uh, Justin and Kristen, they're about to get married in how long? Two weeks? Three weeks? One week. One week. They're getting married one week after... And uh, we've got Josh, the kid, and they've been married just a couple years. And so we have the two kind of couples up here. I thought it was so sweet. Uh, so anyways. <laughs> we couldn't exist without you people on stage. But also we couldn't exist without the people back there who are working tirelessly to make coffee, to set up our church, to love all the kids. We need each other. See, Peter couldn't preach if John wasn't there. I couldn't preach without those of you who pray for me. On a regular basis, we thank God for the self Don't have to be up here and tall all the time. But this is Peter's first time on his own now. He had prayed for people to be healed before, but Jesus, his coach, had always been there. Now coach isn't around, and so Peter, Marcus, his faith is being stretched. And so Peter stretches out his hands, and he reaches out and grabs the man by the right hand. Do you know the right hand represents authority? That's why the Bible tells us that after dying on the cross, Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father. All of David's life, his paralysis had been his authority, telling him what he could do, what he could not do. But Jesus said, to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. With power comes authority. There's power in the name of Jesus, Amen. Without him, we can do nothing, but in his name, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? That's the power of partnership. And so Peter reaches out to David and lifts him up. And David is immediately healed, the Bible says, and he's leaping to his feet. Praising God gives a leap. Yeah, man! God is good. He's here. And John there standing by supporting Peter. Supporting him. I love it. God It's amazing. Verse 11. Let's read out what happens next. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And Peter saw and addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you scare us? As though by our own power or piety, he had made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had descended... Decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Man, Peter's bold, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. We're going to jump to chapter four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. Who healed this man? Jesus. Jesus healed this man. Peter and John partnered with Jesus, but Jesus did the healing. So, as you'll see this man get healed, and they come running, and Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit preaches about Jesus. And 2,000 more people come to know Christ. In the last time we saw that, 3,000 people came to know Christ. Now for a total of 5,000 people. Because of the power and the boldness of Peter's preaching, 5,000 men are now about in the need of Jesus. But you catch what happened in verse 11, it's really easy to miss. I want to go back and read that verse. While he clung... And Peter and John all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon did you catch it this man is clinging to Peter and John he's leaning on them but I thought Jesus healed him verse 7 and he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God Why was he leaping in verse 7 and 8, and now he's leaning in verse 9 and 10? If he had the ability to leap, why is he leaning? Here's what I think. I think his mentality had not caught up with his reality. His feet were stronger than his mind. He's leaping in one verse and then leaning in the next. But don't you and I do the same thing? Don't we go through life leaping maybe on Sunday morning? And then Monday afternoon we're leaning on something. Maybe it's a substance, a food. Maybe it's Friday at 11 p.m. I might catch you leaning on something you know you shouldn't be leaning on. Leaning on something you don't need to be leaned on anymore because God has healed you from that. What are you leaning on that you don't need to lean on anymore? It might be a person, it might be a substance, it might be a pattern of pessimism. It might be that dating app that you know you should not delete. That man was healed instantly in verse 7. He became strong. Someone say, became. became. He became strong. When you give your life to Jesus, when we surrender control to him, we become, you become a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 verse, uh, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are, you became. Alright, bear with me. I want to go deep here in theologically a little bit. If you bow the knees to Jesus and confess your sins and confess your belief in Jesus, then you are a new creation. You have been justified in the eyes of God. Jesus stamps paid in full on the bill that you and I owe God. But sometimes you don't feel like a new creation, amen? We still feel like we owe God some kind of debt. This morning I want you to know that when Jesus said, It is finished, it is finished. He meant it. You don't owe God anything else. If we have put our trust in Jesus is the theological concept called justification. It's a legal term. It's the judge saying someone has taken your place for the crime that you have committed. You're free to go. A thief has been caught, but someone is going to jail for your crime. And Jesus pays that price for you. However, that thief who's been declared innocent by the judge, has he been magically transformed so that he no longer has any more temptation to steal again? No, it's the same for us. Justification tells us that our debts have been paid in full, that we are declared innocent of all crimes we've committed. And the Bible teaches us that now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we partner with God in a process called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming that which God declared you to be. Sanctification is becoming that which God declared you to be, a new creation, a holy nation. Here's the important thing I want us to remember is that justification happens completely by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing that we have done. It's what Jesus has done. And sanctification is the same. See, too often I think we trust in the Holy Spirit to save us, to justify us, but then we try in our own strength to be like Jesus And we think that sanctification is something we have to do ourselves. No. Both happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to partner and allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life in the same way that he saved us, to change us, and to sanctify us. Just like we can't save ourselves, we can't sanctify ourselves either. This man was healed in an instant, but he was tempted to keep leaning. But God wants to use his transformed life as an example to others. this man becomes a prop in Peter's sermon see, God wants your story, your life, to be a prop God wants your pain and your past He wants to use your pain and, 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 and your past as a prop to point people to Jesus God wants you to own what you've been through, and say man, this is my pain, this doesn't define me this is who I was, but now because of Jesus, look at what God has done And your life becomes a prop that God uses to point people to Jesus. God says, I want to prop you up so that you can point people to Jesus. This man is leaning on Peter and John. See, in the Old Testament, if you were lame, if you were disfigured, if you were deformed, you weren't allowed into the temple. (laughs) That was in the presence of God And so only the animals that could be we sacrificed were pure, without blemish. And people who had things done to them were born a certain way. you're thinking to catch up with your reality that God is forgiving You know what? I don't need a small room. I don't need to go serve. I don't need whatever this might be. There are people here who need you to be
1: strong.
0: Who need you to be stretched. Stand up. This is all needed, and they need your help to step into the reality that God has. You close your eyes your head and you see it. Sometimes, God, I use the prop even more than the preacher. If this morning you can identify with that late man, you're like, I don't know, God. I need to lean on somebody. I need to lean on you. God, show me how to raise my kids. I don't know how to do that because my dad wasn't in my life. God, will you show me how to trust you? All I've known my whole life is anxiety. If you can identify with that lame man, and you need some healing in your life, or you're just uncertain and you say, God, I need some some partners to lean on. Every head bowed, every eye goes, I just want you to put your hand in here so I know who to pray for. You say, God, I need some healing in my life. I need some some help in life. Thank you. Keep those hands up. I'm just going to pray for you right now. God, I pray right now just for healing and hope to descend on those right now who are asking for that. God, I believe that you are the God who heals. And those who are struggling with anxiety, with worry, With physical ailments. God, I pray right now that you would heal them through the power of the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus has done on the cross. That we can find healing. God, I pray right now that you would heal them. God, that they would know that this is a place where they can find people to lean on. And now I want to speak to those in this room. Those in our community who have been healed and can leave, can find themselves leaning again, that they'd be there. I'm here for you. Thank you, Jesus. What if I just everyone to stand? single moms in our church. Here's the truth. The kids are back. Because people are serving in kids' ministry, those single moms are going to break. They can come. They can receive Smaller that works for you, please, please find a way to get into community this fall. Maybe it's just on a regular basis you're grabbing coffee with someone and you're sharing your heart. Don't go through the things alone. We're created to be in community. Now, we want to offer you lots of opportunities to connect for our small groups. think that's a great way to connect. But the principle here is you need connection, you need people to partner with you. We need that. So if you don't have that in your life, jump in. Find a small group. We're starting a new Monday Night men's group. I think it's gonna be the best small group of all of them.